This episode is brought to you by Selby Anderson, the marketing group that helps businesses in complex markets win the future. Welcome to Unicorny, the antidote to post-rationalized business books. This podcast is aimed at senior executives who want to find out how other businesses are building value through marketing. So join us as we sit down and talk with the heads of some of the biggest companies on the planet about the business of marketing. We'll find out how they run their marketing departments, where they're putting their budgets, and the ethos that drives their decision-making. I'm Dom Hawes, and in my day job, I'm the Chief Executive Officer of Selby Anderson, a fast-growing marketing group that helps businesses in complex markets win the future. Now, before getting stuck into today's show, I just wanted to remind you about last week's incredible episode where I was joined on the podcast by co-host Sarah Nunnally and our guest, Duarte Garrido, Standard Chartered's Bank global head of social media and digital. Now, we explored how social media is driving relationships in marketing. In our conversation, we discussed how modern marketing departments should be structured, and Duarte explained how he thinks social media is changing the very nature of capitalism. We also analysed why Gen Zers are buying values over products. It is a fascinating episode, so please do make sure you check it out if you haven't already. For many people, defining strategy and articulating a value proposition that's salient to all stakeholders, well, that can seem really intimidating. But in tight times like these, being able to explain what you do and how you add value in a way that your potential customers can A, understand, and B, communicate to their colleagues, well, that's not optional. My co-host for this episode is the super brain Adam Greener, Associate Director of Digital Radish, a multi-award winning marketing and ABM agency that specialises in working with high growth B2B businesses. And our expert guest, well, she knows a thing or two about both strategy and value propositions too. Today we welcome Global Head of Product Marketing for Amadeus, Barbara Moreno, into the Unicorny Studio. Amadeus is a major Spanish technology provider for the global travel and tourism industry. If you've booked a holiday online recently, it's highly likely that you booked using Amadeus technology. You just didn't know it. Now, when we recorded this interview in mid-22, Amadeus was just coming out of two years of COVID, kind of like the rest of us. But unlike most of us, this was a period in which the entire industry in which they operate, travel, was shuttered. As a result, they had to completely redefine how they operate and do business just to survive. So I can't think of anyone better to talk to us about strategy and value propositions than Barbara. And in our conversation, we start by defining what is a value proposition. And we go on to explore how you can create a great one. Barbara explains what insight metrics they use when building their brand propositions and what we can learn from their experience. And we also debate brand or performance marketing with the onset of a looming recession. Hi, Barbara. Hello, good morning. Barbara, why don't you please introduce yourselves and Amadeus to our audience? Okay, thank you. Well, first of all, thank you for having me here today. It's very exciting. And well, I'm, as you've said, Barbara Moreno. So I work for Amadeus. I'm the head of product marketing for a business line in Amadeus called Air Distribution. And then, well, Amadeus is a leading IT player in the travel industry. So we want, with our technology, provide better journeys to the travelers. And obviously, we work mainly with um, travel uh, players such as airlines, hotels, rails, you name it. Who, who's the end user for your product? Airlines, travel sellers, corporations, hotels, rails. So we are a B2B company. So we really, you know, work for, for kind of like the players and then they will 
ultimate, obviously, everything we do is thinking on the traveler that's the final consumer. So, you know, we really want to improve the journey and just make better journeys for everyone through technology. That's pretty cool. And what about your role, Barbara? What, what, what do you do there? How big is your team? What's the scope? I work in a business line called Air Distribution. So that's really kind of the part of the business of Amadeus that what we do is we take the content from the airlines. When we refer to content, we mean like, you know, availability of the flights, you know, like the frequency of the flights, so all the information about, you know, like flights. And then it's uploaded, let's say, in the Amadeus Travel Platform. So then Amadeus Travel Platform, that's where all the travel sellers, either if it's, an, you know, like a traditional travel agency, if it's an OTA, they will just go there and they will get the content. And then whenever you make that kind of booking, you know, what we do in the Amadeus Travel Platform is just like we provide the information about, you know, the fares, the availability, you know, if you want to book a seat, if you want to book a bag. So as part of air distribution, my objective is to really, you know, ensure, you know, we share the value of a travel platform to our travel sellers. So they work with us and they go to the Amadeus Travel Platform to, to get the content. And obviously, on the other hand, we need to engage with the airlines so they, they see the value of a travel platform and they give the content to us. So it's quite an interesting role because we have this kind of dual head. So we need to think on what the travel sellers want and what the airlines, you know, like want. And always, you know, with the objective to enhance the travel experience, you know, with, to, to the travellers. One of the reasons I was so excited to get you into the studio here is that if any sector was more affected by COVID than travel, I'd like to see what it is. So your world has completely changed over the last two years, right? Yeah, it has. At this stage, Adam, I think it'd be really good to introduce you, please, because this is obviously an area of yours. So Adam. Well, Adam Greener, I'm a strategist and associate director at Digital Radish, an agency that is always breaking new ground. And part of the breaking new ground when we're working with clients is to focus on things like the value proposition. And I expect before we even get into the conversation about value propositions, I expect the key thing is what is a value proposition? If you don't mind me just giving a brief overview, it was created by a chap called Alex uh, Osterwalder. And um, I expect I would say that the best way to look at it is a good value proposition is the promise of the benefits and value that you can deliver. And it also encapsulates a distinctive or differentiated message that you would take into a crowded marketplace. So that's the value proposition. But before even sort of delving more into things like the value proposition canvas and what are the different components, what I'd like to actually ask you, Barbara, is when you sort of came across the pandemic and everything changed literally overnight, did your value proposition change overnight as well? And what was the impact on your function and how you were operating and how you were looking at your VP? Actually, it did. We had to send a message and we really need to demonstrate that, you know, like we were all together. At that time, you know, I was the head of marketing of a new technology called new distribution capabilities. So then what we realized is like the the, the, the customers, they said, okay, now more than ever, we need to ensure, you know, that travelers, whenever they travel, they do it in a secure way, especially, you know, you, when we were still in that time that flying was so complicated that we had to get all these kind of certificates and things like that one. So that was a need that it was in the market. And that's what, you know, with this new technology, we were really allowing to have more flexibility in terms of like the content we were giving or the information or the flexibility we were giving to the travel sellers when selling the product to the travelers. So then we realized like, okay, you know, we need to speak 
be that this new technology because now more than ever it's very important that that the travel sellers can sell a journey that it's what the travelers need you know like if you want to book an extra seat because you don't want to have anyone beside you because you know like you don't want to take that risk we need to give that opportunity there was this need of enhancing travel retailing and it really speed up during the pandemic because it was just like more important than ever we had to give an, a really customized experience of traveling so you asked like the value proposition really changed because it was just like yes we knew we had to enhance travel retailing so we really need to really let our travel sellers know that you know like we have a technology that will fulfill with the demands of the travelers and so when you send about the travelers that's an interesting thing because what we're talking about here is you have a customer which is the b2b customer mm. but actually where you're going is you are moving into a space that says we are thinking about their customers yeah. so your value proposition a lot of that is about alleviating the pain and delivering gain literally to the end user yes. isn't it yes that's right in my case i need to think on the airlines that we need to sell the technology to them i need to think on the travel sellers that they are the ones that are going to be using that technology and then the final is the customer that everything should be really aiming to improve you know the journeys to them it's sometimes a bit challenging because yes obviously you need to have these three actors very present when you build up the value propositions and you need to be very like conscious of what's in it for me as an airline what's in it for me with this technology as a travel seller and for both of them, it's really to tell them, hey, guys, you need to do this one because ultimate is the traveler. I mean, that should be the focus for the, really the three of us, you know, just to make better journeys. So that's an interesting thing that we're going to now, which I do think is very interesting about value propositions. You were talking about three actors. And of course, it's always informed by insight and by people that know mm. the different sort of aspects of the industry or the different aspects of the type of customer. So it sounds to me that also it's about how you work cross-functionally within yeah. Amadeus. Yes. Could you tell us a bit more about sort of how you go about doing that and bringing it all together for the creation of a value proposition? When you build up a value proposition, you need to have also very close contact with the commercial teams, mm -hmm. obviously, and then with the product managers. And, and we were discussing before, you know, how, you know, IT companies, were, they're so product or they've been so product oriented. So then yes. we have all these engineers that they are, that many of them, they're product managers and they have it so clear, you know, that's the technology, this is what we're doing. And sometimes it's like, hey, hey, hold on, that's the technology, but that doesn't show our value. You know, we need to go back and then incorporate the findings that you get by talking to the commercial teams, like through the customers themselves. I think it's super, super important to be also down to earth, you know, talking to customers, seeing what's happening outside. That's super important because you really need to understand a bit, you know, what are the challenges, you know, our customers are going through. And then when you build the value proposition, you need to bring that insight. That's when you bring, you know, the product experts, you know, and then just, okay, now with like the value of the product now let's incorporate it to the needs of you know that we have identified by really understanding what's the market what's happening outside what's happening with our customers so yes it's super important to be in contact with sales guys and product experts so we could safely say a poor value proposition is based on assumption yeah and a great value proposition is based on insights yes we've talked about kind of the theory some of the implementations some of the approach why so a lot of people listening to this won't be working for large technology companies. Why would a small to medium-sized company spend a lot of time thinking about their value proposition? If you want to really bring your unique selling points, you need to have a value proposition. You really need to differentiate, you know, who you are. Yeah, obviously, everyone wants to, you know, increase revenues, decrease cost, bring efficiency. But, you know, like, how do we make it work? And, you know, why it's you and why it's not someone else? And obviously, it's a great way to demonstrate your expertise to demonstrate you understand you know where you are going you know through number one i would say what it is is just 
a good exercise in understanding where your business sits in the market, because simply by thinking about the value proposition, what you're actually doing is you're evaluating the things that matter, which are the customer pains, the gains that they need, the jobs they need solving. And I would also say you're thinking about this from a competitive perspective. So part of, I would say, creating a value proposition is understanding the value propositions of your competitors. And then we go to a place that says that's just good business sense, because of course, it allows you to define the gaps in which you can win, because there will be gaps where you can have a distinctive proposition. And I think the other thing is within a company, I think it just focuses thinking because we know small companies, big companies, we all get extremely busy. We're all trying to do lots and lots. And what we actually often lack is focus. And for me, a value proposition canvas is just a nice way to focus everyone and say, what actually is it that we're selling and why? And let's think about this from our customer's perspective. And I think that's sort of a really good leveling line within a business. I'd recommend personally that every business should do it at least annually, and it should be a strategic priority to do it because the other thing that we know is things move at such pace and we've seen that particularly in the last couple of years that your value proposition that you may have even had six to 12 months ago is possibly no longer a valid proposition for today's world and certainly won't be 18 months down the road. Cool. Okay, I think with our heads on this still, thinking small to medium-sized enterprise, if someone wants to develop their own value prop, where do they start? I think, you know, the first thing is really to define the problem, you know, understanding, you know, what's happening outside to show, you know, you understand where are the, the pains, you know, like your customers are going through. So I think it's really, it really helps to set the scene, okay? You know, like, okay, there's a problem, there's a challenge, and then you go over it. And I think it's also very good to bring some metrics, you know, in terms of like, you know, because you are, you know, this is happening, you know, you may be losing X amount of money per year, when you have set the scene is obviously, you know, you bring out what do you need to overcome that challenge or, you know, what kind of functionalities, what capabilities you, you may need from, from an IT provider or from, you know, like a, a provider overall. And then I think then is, is when you need to integrate what's the value you can give here. And if you can calculate the value, that's even better. And especially with technology, I think with some of our products, that's what we really try, you know, it's just to say, okay, we've seen that by this customer using this product, they ended up getting an extra revenues of this one, that's super. I mean, if you are able to give that metric, I mean, it's just showing really clearly your value. And then for me, the last point is really about selling yourself. It's like, why you? Why not everyone else? Yes, you've already introduced the topic with your metrics, but what makes you unique? So for me, it's those four points. It's really, you know, like I um, define the problem, really just show, you know, your capabilities, your value, and then bring metrics. And then it's about you, like who you are as a company or what you can you know, add. I think that sort of uh, utopia is differentiation and everyone talks about it in marketing and we talk about it when we're thinking about value propositions. How do we differentiate? I think, number one, it's very difficult sometimes to differentiate. But the first thing I would say is to differentiate, and I'll come to distinctiveness in a second, to differentiate, you need to understand, okay, from a competitive perspective, what is everyone else claiming? That's that's the first thing. You need to have that benchmark of competitors. The second thing is then you need to define the gap where there may be differentiation. And then you need to be very honest with yourself about your company and whatever it is you're selling, be it a product or a service, and say, does that align with that gap, with a claim that we can make? And finally, I would say very important is you have to have the proof point that supports that claim that is differentiated. So working with a lot of the companies that 
uh, we work with, what we talk about as well is distinctiveness because to be distinctive is almost as important. And that's simply about having something in market, a proposition and messaging, which is distinctive from everyone, but it doesn't actually mean it's a USP or differentiation. It just means that we are using a different language or bringing a different angle. And I would say that where we're going right now, and this actually touches on, on something that I think is quite important about value propositions and, and, and something that I, I feel that you sort of, um, you briefly sort of touched on earlier, Barbara, is the idea as well that not only do we have the functional gains and pains, which are very rational, but you've then got the emotional side. Yeah. And I think this is yes. where we're going that's getting very interesting now with value yes. propositions, which is we're starting to go to a place that says the value proposition is not just a rational thing about the gains that you can deliver. So that's opportunities that you can help organisations, as an example, to capitalise on. All the pains that you can help them to deal with, which of course is the helping them sort of deal with the challenges and the issues. But it's also about the more emotional thing, which is, and you mentioned this before, why us? What's our purpose as an organisation? So if we're thinking about Amadeus, why do you do what do you do? And also starting to think about the different ethics and principles that as an organisation that you you know that your clients share with you. And we start to go to a place there that says that takes a value proposition beyond the sort of uh, norms into a place where we're looking at shared attributes. So we could say shared values. It might be a shared focus on sustainability or diversity in the workplace. Mm. And these are really important because when we go back to how do you become distinctive, it's about solving all of the rational things, but it's also about topping that out with the things that really start to impact people when they see it emotionally and they engage with it because they say, I like the cut of the jib of this organisation. I like what they say and I like why they do it. I just want to jump in and say yeah. I just love, I, I mean I love the emotional part of to bring that one into kind of like the, the as you say, value propositions. I mean, overall in marketing I think it's super important you make a story that as you say is emotional, that it resonates with people. So I mean I'm 100% in, into what you've just said. And this gets us back to uh, you know the VP, the value propositions and it, it's a focus and I think, I want to say a few C's here because we like to do this don't we in marketing. <laughs> C's, P's, <laughs> you've got connecting yes. all of the dots and then you've got that consistent stories yes. that you take and you take that into the customer and they form, feel more confidence because of course the experience they, ha they have is consistent and I expect really where, where we're going with this is thinking about it the other way around and flipping the funnel is simply by connecting everything and being more focused it's your client that has the better experience it's more consistent they're more confident in you and I think that starts to build trust and we know and we go back to the emotions yes, here that yes, good value yes. propositions actually they enable trust to be built I think faster and um, that trust is I think the big differentiator I shouldn't say that word should I but um, <laughs> between potentially winning and losing yes, yes. on what might be a significant deal earlier on we were talking about you know poor value propositions are assumptions based and great value propositions are based on insights yes and and being a strategist, I like to talk about strategy. And I was just going to sort of move into a place that says in terms of strategy, because I always feel that the strategy is almost the baseline for the value proposition. But I'm just wondering in, in, in terms of strategy, are there any specific approaches that you take within Amadeus, any specific models that you use to start to sort of pull the insights together that may form a future value proposition? No, I think it's very important. We, we are fully aware of what's 
happening in the market, no? Like we are really kind of like aware on, you know, the needs of the customers and, you know, com- you know what, what our competitors are doing. So to have a strong, you know, market, market insights for me, it's super important. And just really to know what's happening also outside in terms of customer behavior and, you know, like also how, you know, like technology is changing. So I think it's like three very important, you know, like aspects. So I would say it's really, you know, in terms of the industry marketing insights, but obviously, you know, customer behavior and then technology and how technology is moving. And I might just um, drop something in here because I, I'm going to be honest, a lot of people just say strategy and, and what is it? And there's a couple of things. I mean, strategy, basically, I think you honestly understand what the challenges are you yeah. face, but also what the opportunities you can yeah. capitalise on are. And you simply set out, I think, the simplest approach to be able to deal with the challenges and capitalise on the potential gains. But I think one of the problems we see is that we start to go into models for strategy. And, you know, I did a quick Google search this morning on the train and found at least 30. Right now, what what's key, and I'm hoping that this might be useful, yeah. there, are, there are probably three models that are really useful right now. Um, number one, we all know, is the SWOT. Yeah. But it's often forgotten. Strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, uh, threats. And I would that, say that, think that's, of that's competitors. That's true, but, you know, it's like, I remember I did a master's degree in marketing, I don't know how many years ago, but I it was I mean that was the basic and it's true how sometimes you you go into your day-to-day and you forget you know to go into the basics yes it's the baseline one for me with anyone yeah that's true you have to be honest right you have to be honest and I think you have to do it thinking about competitors as well so you have to think of that context I think Number two right now is a pest, so that's political, economic, social Mm. and technological. And that's actually about what are the drivers, what political drivers, what economic drivers, what social uh, drivers, and of course what technological drivers for change are there. And of course you can do that on a big mega basis, or you could do it industry by industry. Mm. And then the third one I think is really interesting, it's scenario planning. Mm. Um, and, and, and it all sounds very fancy, but basically all you're really doing is you're examining the variable elements within your environment and then you're, in, you're, you're evaluating them for plausibility and mm. impact. And actually, I think good value propositions are built on also scenario planning around what do we think the pains are mm. that customers are having and their customers? What do we think the gains are? What are the jobs that they need solving? Mm. And so I would say those three, which are the past SWOT, and scenario planning are three great strategic models to use. And all of them, if you use them, can feed into some really great value propositions just as a baseline. Can I bring one more? For me, it's value chain analysis. So we're talking about value props. Yeah. Being able to, uh, to being able to analyse and understand your customer's value chain and where you add most value yeah. to yeah. them... I think is invaluable if you're looking at, certainly if you're looking at trying to quantify your value proposition, yeah, yeah. you need to understand how much value and where in their own, um, in their own value chain you're acting. Adam's point that you need to outline a strategy based around potential challenges and potential gains is important and something we sometimes forget. You can't create a meaningful value proposition from a myopic point of view. Nope. To develop a strong value prop, you need a full 360-degree picture of your business, the trading environment, and any other factors that speak to your product or service's relevance. In its simplest form, a value proposition is a statement. It defines why a customer would choose your product or service. But something we're really trying to get to grips with or hammer home here is a value proposition isn't just for your customer, your business, and your people. Also benefit by knowing how you articulate your delivery of value. So your value prop can be part of the North Star for your team. This episode is sponsored by Selby Anderson. 
the agency group that helps businesses operating in complex markets win the future. Selby Anderson's agencies serve global clients in financial services, enterprise tech, channel, industry, utilities, pharmaceutical and biotech. If you want to win the future, find out more at selbyanderson.com. You're listening to Unicorny with Dom Hawes, powered by Selby Anderson, the marketing group that helps complex businesses win the future. Coming up on today's show, we outline what questions marketing departments should be asking themselves with a recession in sight. And we seek to settle the age-old debate about brand versus performance marketing. But first, let's bring ABM into the conversation. Where does ABM fit with your value prop? In B2B... Uh, account-based marketing has been on the tip of every, certainly every competent tongue yeah. for the last year and a half. It's gaining in currency all the time. And um, and I know, Barbara, that's been a, a tool um, that you've used mm-hmm. with, with some great success. And obviously, Adam, you are strategy lead on lots of ABM accounts. How does value prop play into ABM? Yeah, it's really, really important. It's really important that, you know, you build up your plan, you know, with that customer, you look at the potential, what you can get from that customer. You do all, as we've said, all the analysis, the SWOT analysis, and then you understand, okay, this is where, you know, the opportunities I have with this customer. And also that you feel that customer, you know, that you you worry about the customer and they, that you can really provide them, you know, solution services. And, and you mentioned before, no, the trust, no, that they can trust you. And that makes such a, a big difference because if you have that relationship with the customer, business will end up coming you know in a natural way you know and you know they will really know like okay yes this is a provider i can trust so you know i've worked with the provider for this one what about you know like can you help us in this other thing can you help us and and when you have that kind of flow of communication it's really you know like uh, powerful and do you divide your abm up barbara into sort of the more programmatic end so that might be what's known you know as abm light or ABM, you know, to few or to many, as well as strategic ABM, or is most of your ABM focused on those sort of big high value clients? So it's that more one-to-one strategic. I would say like, I mean, now I'm thinking more on the airline side, no, like it's more on the one-to-one. It's really mm. about, you know, like mm. looking at, you know, what kind of uh, the potential of, of, of each of the players. And then we just like work specifically on the areas where we can see there's a growth. And then, you know, we, we build up that kind of a plan based on that one. So it's more on a one-to-one. And that's something that within ABM um, and value propositions and the two, you know, there is an absolute confluence there. And and that is to be distinctive in ABM, the value proposition, I believe, is is kind of everything. What's interesting with strategic ABM, because, of course, let's just be open about this. And Frank, the money is there in strategic ABM to say we will spend X amount just to create a conversation Mm -hmm. with an individual, which we certainly don't see at the volume side of ABM. And what that enables you to with a with a value proposition is you can build a value proposition to a market of one. So I've been involved in that and I'm sure you have. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to share anything on that without giving us too many? Uh, no, no, and especially and as you were saying, and once again, it's just like uh, we have over 400 customers in terms of airlines. So if you look at a customer base, that's 
not much. I mean, if you think 400 customers that your customer on the airline side is, but it's massive, you know, it's like 400, you know, airlines is, is a lot of airlines when it comes to airlines. But, and so that's when, you know, we've had this kind of one-to-one plans uh, uh, in terms of like um, identifying what are the needs, you know, doing a specific, you know, communications, build up a specific branding, look and feel, you know, like even I remember we had a customer that we were doing this kind of, we call them like 360s, now. like, so every six months we will just sit down together and we will lock ourselves in a room and then we will just be kind of looking at, you know, what's the strategy, how the strategy you were saying before, how we need to be now agile, you know, looking at how to adapt our values. So every six months we were sitting down with them, we were looking at their strategy, has their strategy changed? And then we were kind of looking at, you know, our progress in the last six months towards, you know, common projects. So it's really a one-to-one conversation. So it's, and, and it works extremely well. And one of the latest meetings we had in London before COVID, we even have the CEO of, of that airline. So it's quite nice when you even get to the CEO of an airline I mean, just because, you know, they really want to talk, you know, with you because you're a trustful, you know, partner. And, and it brings me to quite an interesting. So for me, ABM is also a combination of different uh, tactics. Now, obviously, it's direct communication. It's like targeted paid media campaigns in social media. But for me, there's a lot of, oh, in terms of hospitality, a lot of, you know, building up, uh, you know, kind of also the relationship with the customer. And I remember I had to know boss like um some time ago that he was just like no 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 like that's all marketing when I would just tell him about doing this kind of hospitality or you know events he would just say that's all marketing how do you track the return of investment of an you know, like, and I just said, you know, it's like, and, and you know, we've bring out the world several times here. It's about trust and that re- and emotions. And when you have the possibility also to meet a customer face to face, you bring that emotion, you bring that kind of like trust in an easy way that just digital campaigns. So for me, it's really a combination of, you know, kind of maybe more more than world, you know, like, and thinking of that customer that we were meeting with them in okay, every six months, you know, we were obviously doing a lot of targeted also paid media campaigns. So then, because we knew we had an opportunity to sell a solution, we were really targeting, you know, doing these media campaigns, you know, paid media, you know, targeting them. But obviously it was a combination that one with the ongoing comms plus spending time together. So uh, yeah, I, I find it's, it's, you know, when, when you build up your ABM plans, you know, you need to look at what's the need of your customer, but really look at all these different tactics. Um, there's, there are storm clouds gathering around mm. us. And one of the things of Unicorn East, we want to look forward to kind of six, 12, 18 months and talk to our audience about things they might want to be thinking about. And at the moment, the looming recession is on everyone's lips, whether we're talking our way into it or whether it's real, how deep it's going to be. Is it going to be a double dip? We don't know. Barbara, if you were going to be giving tips to people listening to this about the next 12 months, what would they be? Okay. So, I mean, we've we've discussed before how, you know, like ourselves or my industry was really impacted like two years ago. So I think hopefully we've already gone through the worst. So, you know, like as per our experience, I think it, it becomes super important to be much more conscious of where you are. I think what we are saying, you know, like the importance of really understanding your customers. So I think it's not really just like training to get everywhere. It comes a bit, you know, what we're saying, do your homeworks, you know, have clear, you know, what's your analysis, what are your strengths and just focus your energy where you want to go. And, you know, like if you need to be a bit more kind of like, and, and being also creative, you know, sometimes it's a bit, and, and being creative, and, and focus really on where you want to go. It's, it's a good exercise just to step back. And maybe this is a moment also for many you know people to really step back and just really go to the ba- basics. You know, what's 
what's you know my value what do I want where do I want to go as a company or where do we want to go as a marketing department what's the objective of the company just go back to the basics analysis we've said how something as a SWOT analysis we may forget to do it go go to that one and just like um focus your energy on on really where you see the, the you know uh, what's important for you and there's a big debate raging online at the moment with on one side, you've got the the um, the LinkedIn B2B Institute and Mark Ritson, who is saying that it's not all about performance marketing, that brand marketing is much more important. Um, and then on the other side, you've got mm. all the performance marketing crowd saying, don't spend any money on brand right now. It's all about performance, measurable results, revenue operations. Where are you guys on that? Yeah, I, I mentioned Harley before, you know, I'm, I'm a bit maybe romantic, but I think it's, it's about performing, but it's a lot about brand, you know, about, you know, building up the relationship, about, you know, maybe it's worth it. You take your customer out for lunch and then, you know, like something as simple as that one may brings you know much more opportunities that uh, so so for me it's having as I've said clear you know where you want to go your value and then just set actions that you can measure you know like taking someone out for lunch might be hard but it's just to build up especially when when we are all going through these kind of tough times just to show that empathy that to show you know like I understand you I know what you need and then let's work together on this one for me it becomes very important and that's really you are reflecting yours you are the brand you know you are the face of the brand so I, I think brand is very important. I simply think you can't decouple brand from performance yeah, marketing yeah. and there's a synergy between the two. And I think to to sort of have these knee jerk reactions to say we're going to do this or do that mm. at, at the end of it, brand is important. And I think what you you know, the Binet and Field reports are a good example of if you focus on brand and actually spend something on brand. And the other thing is, is, I think, understand what brand is. And it's more than just words. It's exactly what you've been saying. It's the actions that you take and how you interact with your clients. That's also part of it. So you have to prove beyond simple words that uh, you stick and live to your purpose. And, and even in times of real difficulty economically, it still doesn't, doesn't always mean that the cheapest is what they go with. Actually, mm. I would say they de-risk by thinking who will be here in X amount of time? Who do we like? Why do we like them? All of these different things. So you simply cannot decouple them. And I think, again, what we do in marketing is we tend to do this. We polarise everything. You can't. Both are important. Focus on both. Understand both. And uh, and continue, of course, to do both. Um, thank you very much indeed for a really uh, excellent chat. It, we've gone in so many different directions, but it keeps coming back to the same thing. The value. Value. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Wow, that was a big and a very deep chat, Adam. It was. What struck you most and hardest during the conversation you just had with Barbara? I think there were probably a couple of things that Barbara mentioned that really sort of resonated with me. The first was the fact that through all the change that we're moving through at great pace, that uh, Amadeus were regularly reviewing and evolving their value propositions. That's number one. I think number two, what I also found really inspiring actually was the fact that Barbara and her team are constructing a narrative from the value proposition that they can then cascade into the organisation so there's a consistent story to market and they can arm their sales to go in and have really, I would say, interesting, engaging, but also consistent conversations with their customers. And those conversations, I mean, the, the, the efficacy of the value proposition, I think, came out during the conversation around ABM as well, that you have to understand where you, get, where you deliver value if you're going to be salient to your customers. And I think we also, we talked about four tools in the end that can help you understand your environment, 
and where you sit in it and the value that you bring specifically to customers. They were the PEST, the SWOT, value chain analysis. And, and scenarios. And scenarios. Absolutely. Of course they were. Um, the scenarios. Scenario is an interesting one. Um, scenario planning, kind of war gaming, I guess. Is, is that something you guys do regularly? It's one of those things that I wouldn't exactly say we go in there and say, let's do scenario planning. But I think what we're always doing is thinking, what does the future hold and what are the variables and how are they going to impact our clients' business? And so is it something we do regularly? Absolutely. I think you have to in marketing. Is it something that we have a label on and say, let's do some scenario planning? No. Yeah, I get that. That's probably the best way yeah, to that. look at it. But yeah, I think it's imperative. And I think it's imperative to think of the future and what the future might hold. And therefore, what is it that you're going to be saying that is absolutely relevant in that future context? And another thing that particularly struck me, which I think you lit on towards the end of our discussion, was how value propositions are evolving. Yeah, I think what we're seeing is we, we, we talked about differentiation and simply being distinctive. And I think part of being distinctive is to move a value proposition beyond the functional and rational, which are the, the gains and the pains, and starting to look at the more remotive side of things. And that's usually around things like shared attributes, shared values, shared ethics. And what we're seeing is that's starting to make the big difference for organisations out there. I think particularly now that we are entering literally the era of purpose. We all feel better about buying from organisations where we feel they are doing the right thing and that we share some of the values with them. It's such an important part of trust that. It's such an important part of trust, knowing that the people that you're working with are like-minded. It is, and... and I mean, where we where we go with that is you, you go back into the emotive, but trust is literally everything. And I think one of the things, again, that we mentioned was, was this idea about both brand and performance marketing. And of course, the brand piece is very much built on trust. And it's built on me as potentially a buyer within B2B, really liking not just a solution service product, but... I like the people I deal with. I like the way that they talk. I like the way the brand and what it represents. And of course, all of that sways, not only my, but my colleagues' um, decision-making. And this is, again, something that we in marketing can affect continually and I think also fundamentally. You know, it's funny, and that's so true on the sell side as well as the buy side. So it's a conversation I have a lot you know, when, when, when we're out looking either at agencies to buy and people are saying, you know, what kind of companies do you like to work with? Who do we actively target to be our clients? And it's the soft issues that I chase. It's, and it's challenger brands because I like, I like the attitude. I like the emotion. I like the passion they have for their work. And we share that. We're a challenger brand ourselves. So we, so we share a lot of that. And while many agencies would, you know, would probably cut a foot off to work with some of the market leaders, I don't actually want to do that in many cases. I really, really, really enjoy working with challengers. So maybe, maybe that is just as applicable on the buy and sell side. I think it absolutely is. At the end of it, it's about fit. And I think if we feel not only confidence and trust in an organisation, but we feel comfortable with them. And that's a strange thing because sometimes that just comes down to literally how we feel about that organisation. But for me, that is everything in a sense. And it's also, I think, the, the sort of utopia of really great marketing, which is taking that and articulating it in a way that you know that potentially, even if you polarise opinion with 
the buyers, half of them are going to say, we love this organization, we will work with them, and we will be loyal to them for a long time. That's really what it's about. Well, we're not going to find a finer place to stop than that today, Adam. Thank you very much indeed for your time. What a blast it's been, and I hope you come back. Really enjoyed it and look forward to it. Thank you. Well, sadly, that's all the time we have for you today on this podcast. Thanks again to Adam Greener for co-hosting with me. And of course, thank you to the amazing Barbara Moreno and Amadeus for sharing time with us and sharing insight on the show. Really epic episode. And for me anyway, I found that really valuable. In next week's episode, I'm joined by Sharper B2B's Russ Powell to speak to Calibrate's VP of Global Marketing, Ruth Connor. We get stuck into the topic of marketing technology and talk about how to get your stack right and your data relevant. In the episode, we talk about the importance of marketing operations, or MOPs, and making sure your systems are aligned. We also explore how creating a single source of truth is critical if you want your content marketing to be relevant and actionable. Thank you for listening to today's show. Together, we're building a body of reference to make marketing work better for business. You can subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast channel. We're listed on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Amazon, Google, iHeartRadio, Podbean, Podchaser, and all other good platforms. Now, it takes us eight to ten hours to produce each and every episode of Unicorny. So if you like the show, please help us out. Make it worth our time. Please take the time to share, rate, and review us. Help us get found and help yourself at the same time because Unicorny is far more than a podcast. It's a community of leading marketing minds and pretty soon we're going to be running events too. If you're interested in joining our community, please get in touch by following the Unicorny page on LinkedIn or connecting to me on LinkedIn. My name is Dom Hawes, H-A-W-E-S. We'll always prioritize people who've helped us, so please share the love and we'll share what we have with you. Also, if you want to join the project by starring in a future show, please contact the series producer Nicola Fairley through LinkedIn or by email at guest at unicorny.co.uk. If you do want to rate or review us on your favourite podcast channel, please, please give us five stars. And in the comments, in the review, please tell people what you liked about the show. But also, if you want to tell us what you didn't like about the show, you can either do it on the reviews or why not contact me directly through LinkedIn. You've been listening to Unicorny with me, Dom Hawes, powered by Selby Anderson, the marketing group that helps complex businesses win the future. Unicorny is conceived and produced by Selby Anderson with creative support from One Fine Play. Nicola Fairley is the executive producer. Connor Foley is the series producer. Kazra Faruzia is the superb audio engineer and editor. And the episode is recorded at terminalstudios.co.uk. Thank you for listening and we will see you in the next one. episode is sponsored by Selby Anderson, the agency group that helps businesses operating in complex markets win the future. Selby Anderson's agencies serve global clients in financial services, enterprise tech, channel, industry, utilities, pharmaceutical and biotech. If you want to win the future, find out more at selbyanderson.com.